Last week on Insects for Fun, we took a look at some beetles that bury bodies. And through sheer irony, we got another listener request relating to decomposers. But this time, it's for compost. Today on episode 74, we're going to learn about the top three critters you can use to help break down compost and how to keep them. As requested from listener Yagol over in Nagano Prefecture. So when it comes to composting, there are a number of animals that help break down food waste and turn it into fertile soil, like worms, nematodes, fungi, bacteria, mites, snails, slugs, isopods, myriapods, and our favorite, insects. These animals are called primary consumers because the food they primarily use is the most basic organic waste, such as fallen leaves, other plant debris, food waste, fecal matter, etc. So to start off today, we're going to look at earthworms because they're the most well-known. But what you might not know is they are not equal when it comes to decomposing food and waste. For example, there are around 7,000 known species of earthworms, but only a handful are known to be excellent composters, and some of the best out there are called redworms. Redworms love spending time on or near the surface of the soil, and as a result are amazing debris cleaners. These worms belong to the genus Isenia and can be found throughout the world, although they're only native to Europe. They're also usually available for sale to help gardeners or people in the vermiculture business. Vermiculture is just a fancy word for people that raise and use worms, specifically for composting. Now, the nice thing about redworms is that they are generally pretty hardy and can withstand temperatures between 32 and 54 Fahrenheit, which is 0 to 12 Celsius. But they prefer temperatures between 60 and 80 Fahrenheit, or 15 to 26 C. That being said, if you live in an area that gets too cold during the winter, you do have options. The first thing is to just leave the worms outside in a compost bin or worm bin. As long as you're continuing to provide them with compost, then the temperature in the bins will stay in a safe range. This is because decomposing material, along with the activity from the worms, actually generates a good source of heat. Also, worm eggs are incredibly hardy and can withstand extreme temperatures up to a year. Did you know that worm eggs are encased in a cocoon? I personally had no idea because I'm not really a worm guy, but apparently the light-colored band you see on worms creates a mucus sheath after worms reproduce. And this sheath moves down the worm collecting eggs before getting sealed. They kind of look like chickpeas or yellow tear-shaped bulbs. And this protects those eggs from extreme weather. Okay, back to what to do if you have red worms in a cold place. Now, if you're not a gambling person and prefer safer odds, you can bury a compost bin one foot into the ground and give it a little insulation with hay, straw, bubble wrap, or other insulating materials. Some people just keep them in a sheltered place, like a shed, garage, or even in their home. Now, if you give the worms kitchen scraps they can digest, like vegan scraps, then you won't have a smelly problem leaving them indoors. These worms do not appreciate leftover meat or dairy, but they will eat paper and cardboard, so people often toss in tea bags and coffee filters as well. Other earthworms that aren't the red variety burrow deeper into the ground and can tolerate colder temperatures, but they aren't the best when it comes to eating compost. 
Nightcrawlers, for example, are known for digging deep, permanent burrows, and though certain species like the European nightcrawler Dendrobiana hortensis are used for composting, others like the Canadian nightcrawler Lumbrincus terrestris are not. They just don't have the same appetite, and because they spend a lot of time deep in the ground, they aren't actively reducing and decomposing compost the same way redworms are. One of the greatest benefits to using redworms as a natural compost eater is the lifespan. They live between one and five years. So once you have a decent amount of worms, you don't really need to worry too much about trying to breed more. Also, those worms will usually double in population every 60 days anyway, if you're giving them the right food and living conditions. Next on our list for composting companions would be soldier flies. These insects are flies in the family Stratiomyidae, and the specific species we'll be talking about today is Hermetia illucens, aka the black soldier fly. So what makes this fly so special when it comes to composting? For starters, the soldier fly larvae have incredible appetites, and they love to eat manure and scraps from both plants and animals making them better composters than redworms. Now, I'm gonna list some of the perks of using soldier flies as a compost helper. Number one, soldier fly larvae will actually eat larvae from other flies, like houseflies and blowflies. And we do not want either of those because they're dirty, smelly, and can spread disease. Number two, black soldier flies don't bother us. The adult flies aren't attracted to human dwellings, humans, or our food, and their mouth is designed specifically for nectar. Number three, black soldier flies are sanitary and don't fly around much, making them easy to pick up and move out of your home. Number four, they actually reduce E. coli among other pollutants in manure, making them fantastic for farmers that need help with manure cleaning. Number five, the larvae produce frass slash poop that's available to use as fertilizer. Now, if I haven't sold you just yet, wait, because these flies are also a great source of protein and used in animal feed. Of course, lizards and chickens love eating these insects, but they're also safely used in dog foods and for fish farming. So where does one find this too-good-to-be-true unicorn-like composter? The species is originally from Central and South America, but thanks to their usefulness, they can now be found across the globe. The typical lifespan for these flies is as follows. Four days as an egg, 18 to 36 days as a larva, variable based on food given and temperature, and then up to a month as an adult. This is assuming the adults are in the wild or are being fed a sugar or honey water solution. If you don't feed the adults and they aren't wild, then they'll only live for around eight days. So many sources online will tell you that these flies have no mouths and they don't eat, but those same sources are often only using the flies as a tool for farming. Research has actually shown us that they can and do in fact feed, and you can get a much higher number of eggs depending if and what you feed the adult flies. Anyway, because the flies are from a tropical place initially, they do prefer higher humidity levels and temperature. The one drawback about using these as opposed to worms is the shorter life cycle. In the warmer and more humid months, the flies will do their thing and you can keep a population going outside pretty easy. But in winter, you'll have to move the flies into an area that stays warmer. 
That being said, you can actually stall out their larval stage by having them in cooler temperatures with less food. They can slow themselves down to mature in upwards of four to six months, making it possible to keep a single generation through the winter. Now, last on our list would be isopods. These creatures belong to a class of crustaceans called Malacostraca, and they can be found around the world on land and deep in the sea. But today, we are specifically talking about the small land dwellers commonly called pill bugs, roly-poly bugs, sow bugs, armadillo bugs, I mean, the list goes on and on. And to be fair, there are a lot of species. Sow bugs and pill bugs are not the same, for example, but they're both isopods. To paint a better picture for you, pill bugs are very hard and smooth, and these ones can curl up into a ball. Sow bugs look very similar, but are more flat, not nearly as hard, and cannot curl into a ball. Either way, both are great at breaking down compost and can actually do it faster than worms. Many people like to pair isopods with red worms because they have a synergistic relationship. It turns out the waste from worms makes for great isopod food and vice versa. What I found to be incredibly entertaining is that there's actually an entire isopod pet culture with many, many different kinds of isopods. It's seriously like housing fish and aquascaping, but for isopods in vivarium and terrariums. They even have designer isopods. People will pay a lot of money for rare and well-bred isopods, the same way people do for fish species. Here are some different isopods I came across. Number one, rubber ducky isopods. Number two, dairy cow isopods. Number three, Japanese magic potion isopods. Number four, panda king isopods. Now I'm gonna stop here and not further I've decided to officially have an episode dedicated specifically to isopod culture. But the takeaway here is that isopods make for great pets and composters if you don't want to get fancy designer pods. There are also many temperate species, which have evolved to tolerate colder temperatures, so housing them in the same conditions as red worms should be no problem at all. Another nice thing is that isopods usually have a lifespan of at least one year. And because they reproduce pretty quick, it isn't hard to keep a very nice supply. And that is going to wrap up today's episode on composting critters. I hope you guys learned something cool today. And if you want to share what stood out to you, you can do that on the Instagram page or in Spotify if you listen over there. Also, please make sure to rate and review the show if you haven't. And if you want to further show your support, you can head on over to Patreon to claim an ever-growing list of bonus episodes and vlogs. Spring and summer is going to be pretty ripe with videos because I've got a lot of insect stuff I'll be working on. Links to everything are in the show notes. And if you'd like to suggest something, you can send me an email at insectsfordummies at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening.